It's scheduled. It says broadcast is live now. It says broadcasting live right now. Let's try something. Here, let's just do this. Smile. Take two. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Unfiltered Experience, uh, where we are live here every Friday night at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we bring you the unfiltered conversations with myself, Christopher Roush, and Scott Goyette. Scott Goyette. What's going on, Mr. Goyette? Happy Friday, brother. How are you doing? I feel like uh, this weird deja vu right now. It's so weird. It's so weird. Oh, don't go, don't get me started saying <laughs> Dion Warwick. Don't give me don't go me down that road. So, so Chris and I just went live like five minutes ago. We were like five minutes into the show. And then we realized that the stream yard had a backup. So it wasn't live. So we're sitting there talking. We kind of went through all our stuff. And then we're like, wait a minute. We're not. Wait a minute. We're, we're not what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Some, something did not seem right. That's for sure. And Allison, I looked up and I'm like, why does that say? I had like two messages over here yeah. on the dashboard saying something connected. And I'm like, okay, I can't even see it. And I'm like, oh, we're not yeah, even Chris, live. How funny would it have been if our brains, you know, because, you know, it's the end of the week. We've all worked. We're tired. What if we just did an entire show to ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> Literally <laughs> said the whole thing on stream. It was just me and you hanging out, just talking. And suddenly we're like, wait a second, that never went live. Do we do it again? And we just chalk it up as a loss. Well, here's the backup. Here's the backup. So <laughs> right here, most people don't know this, but I have my iPad sitting right here. So my iPad is actually my monitor to see it like broadcasting live on Facebook. And so I looked down and it said, you're, and I, I know it's, I clicked live. So it's something with StreamYard and I looked down and said, your video is going to go live. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I looked down, I'm like, nothing's there. And I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. The little, the bells and whistles aren't on. So yeah, it would have been good. It would have been still a great conversation. Just nobody would have been able to listen to it. Just been for me and you, Chris. And that's okay too. That's okay. That's okay too. too. I mean, as long as we're happy, right? <laughs> Two out of three ain't bad, bro. Just like Ooh, Meatloaf said. Now you're quoting Meatloaf. So now you go Dion Warwick, you go Meatloaf. Geez, what are you going to pull on me next? Dude, I'm going hardball. I'm serious right now. I'm leaning oh. in hard. <laughs> I'm like hardball. I don't know what that is. All I, I know is- either. Chris, somebody from NBC Hardball, he got he got busted for something. I don't even know. But anyways, anyways, yeah, it's been a crazy week, man. On my side of things, I'm like super excited, as you know. I can't even believe this. I can't even believe I'm about to say this. Today is day 74 of 75 Hard. 75, 74 days ago, June 1st, I started this program. And I was like, oh, it's going to take all this time and everything. And it's like, boom. Just like I said it would be. It's like, it's here. Tomorrow's the 75th day. Yeah. It's crazy. But there were a lot of long days in between. You know, it's the weird thing. The beginning and the end, it's like, like now you're like, oh, my God, that seemed like a long time. Like, it's quick. But but in the middle, there were days, dude, when I'm talking to you, it didn't seem like it was only a few days away. Yeah, yeah. You get to, you get, I mean, the first part of it, like anything else, you get super excited. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing it. People are like, oh, yeah, you're doing it. What are you doing? Okay, everybody. And then all of a sudden, like about day 23, you start hearing crickets. You're like. Okay, I'm in the woods now. now. Now, now this is where this is where the rubber meets the road as far as my commitment level, as far as my integrity level, as far as my congruency level, you know, to do those things. Because there was some days where I was like, I could literally do nothing and nobody would ever know. And, and my wife is doing it. You know, Barb's doing it right in, in the house with me. Um, but it was just that personal integrity every single day, like saying, no, 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 I got to keep doing this. I got to keep doing this. And I'm so glad I did because I feel a hell of a lot better than I did when I started. That's for damn sure. Yeah, it's awesome. No, we, we, we all need to do some kind of spiritual, mental, physical cleanses sometime and reboot. Um, yeah, I mean, I just had to, I'm not going to go into it right now because we got a guest coming on, but I just had some conversations today that are about exactly that, how real quickly somebody derails and just sits on autopilot just long enough to you, you end your life that way. You suddenly say, I'm just going to have one beer and all of a sudden it's a beer every night and then it's this and then it's this and suddenly your life's over. And you know, we talked about this the other day too every moment man every moment so to clean yourself up to make sure that you're on track so you're getting the best out of every bit of this existence is definitely worthwhile 
no doubt. Yes, yes, yes. And speaking of that, Scott, I know you'll appreciate this. Um, and just want to just take a second just to honor one of our previous guests and one of our friends, uh, just in a moment of silence, we just want to say a blessing to Jeff Ryder's uh, family and then Jeff to himself uh, for, a, for a speedy trip to uh, his next journey. We just want to just uh, be quiet for you for a second and just uh, wish Jeff the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, life happens. Like we said, Scott, you know, moments and, and things happen and things change and time flies. And, and before you know it, you know, uh, you lose people. And that's, that's the unfortunate part of this journey that we have as a human, human species. Uh, but we always get to catch up to our brothers and our sisters in the next journey. So I don't want the show to be a bummer, but I want it to be positive and I am excited to introduce our guest. Uh, and before we do that, we got Robert in the house. What's up, Robert? He says, good evening, Ro good evening, Christopher and Scott. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. We appreciate you. We've got Sherry McQueen in the house from Cancun. Mexico. Hello, beautiful soul. She says, what's up? What's up? I booked my flight today. I'm going to Cancun, October 7th through the 11th. I'm so excited. Uh, Robert says, just getting home from a transit excursion, a transit excursion. Nice, nice. And Sherry says, live in the moments to make the memories. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to do that today. We have an amazing guest. Uh, I met this gentleman on Clubhouse, which you guys know I talk a lot about Clubhouse, but uh, what an extraordinary soul. I mean, he's been on a journey like you and I, Scott, and he's had his ups and downs, his peaks and valleys, and he's looked at the 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 subject matter that we talk about a lot, which which is within, right? You know, so many people are looking at the blame game and looking externally for their validation. What what Daniel Gomez has done in his life is truly remarkable. He has set the standard for being able to accept where he's at and accept awareness of what it is, but also have that forthright and that that ability to be. Uh, proactive in solving his situations and being uh, more than just solving his situations, but making the world a better place for who he is and what he does. Um, he's an extraordinary soul. I've been on his show. He's been on my show. And uh, I'm just excited here to welcome Daniel Gomez to the Unfiltered Experience. Whoa. What's going on, Daniel? What's going, What's going on? on? Hey, I thought about you. I bought some music for us. What do you say? <laughs> oh, you got, you got some metal going on? How you doing, Scott? Man, I tell you what, I had a little bit of trouble logging in, but it's been a great, great Friday. I'm my son's doing better. I'm doing better. I was under the weather. We almost didn't. Man, it was just one of those days where you woke up, you didn't want to get out of bed, but you have to take ownership of it, right? Because you got responsibility as a business coach, as a father, as a husband. And believe me, my body was aching, but you got to suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> suck it up, buttercup. Yeah, I just saw your post. You were, you were, he was taking a COVID test, right? Yeah, we don't have the results, but, but um, he had 103 degrees these last uh, two degrees fever, right? That's two days, 203 degrees, but He's doing better. He broke 100 and he sweated it out, but he still has like a 99. But thank God, praise God, he's doing better, man. But it was just, uh, it, it really sucked yesterday, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, you just, you just don't, just those moments come. Right? We take it for granted that our kids are going to live forever and everybody's going to live forever. And you're going to get to say hello and goodbye to the next person. And you just don't know. So yeah, man, you just got to be careful. So we're, we're glad that he's doing well. And just for everybody out there, I just learned this myself. I went traveling last week got on a bunch of airplanes and, and went around. And uh, I found out that most people, I thought this, that you had to go to like a CVS or something like that to buy a COVID test, but actually you can go on Amazon and you can order them. And so what my wife did is she ordered a couple of rapid results tests and then uh, the, the regular tests. And so got them in the mail. I was able to do a rapid test in my house to make sure I was clean um, after I came back from my trip because we want to be careful with uh, Jackson in the house. So for those of you guys who didn't know that, you can actually order them and have them delivered to your house. So you have them on, uh, on file just in case you need to do a test. So we, I needed some of those yesterday. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why. That's why I thought I would say that because I know I know a lot of people aren't necessarily prepared, but they're like, "Oh, I want to go do a test." But yeah, now you can have them in the comfort of your own house. So thank you so much for being here, Daniel. We got some amazing people already in the house. We got Pamela saying, "Hey, hey, what's up, guys? What's up, Pamela? Same, good to see you here." We got Kellen Ann in the house. What's up, Kellen? Good to see you. We got Scott in the house. We got Glenda in the house. We got Darlene in the house. Daniel, my brother. Ooh, that sounds like a song. Hey, I know that song. Hey, Scott, Scott singing all the songs, singing for us. Scott, come on! I've never, actually, I've never met Scott in in, in person. So nice to meet you, Scott. Daniel, you guys are fellow Texans. You guys are fellow Texans. He's, he's only he's only about fifty minutes away. Actually, he's uh well a little longer. San Antonio, we're at an hour and ten minutes to get to the sixteen oh four loop. You're in San Antonio, right? Yes, sir. Where are you at? Austin. So. Uh, okay, yeah. And I'm I, I always go up there. Oh, you grew up in here? Which part? Which oh, part I always go up there. Oh, you always go up there. There you go. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to hang out and go get a coffee really soon. I've, I, you know, we were just talking, um, a good friend of ours is probably going to pass in the next few days going to hospice and, uh, he was on the show. And so I'm probably going to be down there in the next day, um, to, you know, go say goodbye to him. So I'll probably be down there. Yeah, so. man. I tell you what's never easy, right? Well, I guess maybe we can start off with that. I think as men, 
you need to allow your emotions to be shown. You need to allow your emotions to be felt. And I, I'll tell you, you know, talking about COVID, I'm just going to be real, right? I think I'll open it sure. up with real is, you know, I, I was here, I was reading this morning, praying, and then, uh, you know, I was, I have my morning routine and I just felt like I need to go check on my son before I go do anything, right? <laughs> That's kind of what came over me instinctive behaviors. And I went <laughs> over there just to see how my son was doing. He was, he was halfway asleep and I felt him, he was hot and. You know, I just, I just thought of my dad, man. I thought of my old man, construction worker, busted his tail off and, you know, drank a lot of beer and did a lot of shit wrong, but he did a lot of things right. I just started crying, man, because I think uh, I was there with my son. I was praying with them all on my knees and I just walked out of the room and just God touched my heart. And my dad, my God reminded me like, your, your dad, he did a lot of things right. Cause my mom passed away when I was 10. So you imagine, I can imagine now me looking back. I have a 10 year old kid. His mom's gone. I'm the father. I'm a construction worker. I've never been really taught to show my emotions. And as I walked out, I, my wife goes, what's wrong? I said, well, nothing. I said, I just, my dad, right. We couldn't afford orange juice and I'm just being real. Right. So my dad would go to super rest foods and he would buy that orange drink. Remember that gallon drink? It would be red punch. Oh, yeah. It was 99 cents. Yep. My old man would come in with the orange drink and he would buy me a seven up and he goes, here, son, just take your medicine, which is Tylenol or store brand. And I take a nap. And I just remember that morning that it's like, you know, I had so much anger towards my dad, but I was just crying this morning because I, 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 I saw myself in my, and I saw myself as I was there with my son this morning. I saw my dad doing the best that he could do with what he had. Ooh. And it was orange drink. It wasn't even orange juice, but he, that was his way of showing me that he loved me. And so many times we see the negativity in people. We see the bad in people and, you really, we, as men, we need to start seeing the good in men, the good in people, because there's a lot of good that we do. We do a lot of stuff wrong. Don't get me wrong, because no one's perfect. But if we were to focus, intentionally focus on the good shit, right, and focus on what's good, what else could you extract that is great out of somebody? Yeah. And that, that, great, that great leads into that word grateful, because, you know, you start being grateful, like you said. Like, this is a man who is there for you. You know, he did the best he could. He's out there working. And, you know, I don't know what he did. Did he have too many drinks? Did he do whatever? I mean, we, we've all done silly stuff. And we're just responding. And so the gratitude for that person who stayed with you. Some dads leave. Some dads aren't even there at all. So there, there's so much gratitude that we can create that foundation of just a much better world by being grateful before we start picking on all the things that are wrong. So yeah, well, you know, I got I got I want to share this because I mean, I'm I'm a Christian, right? I'm going to I mean, I don't hide who I am. I'm I'm a believer. I'm you a are? Christian. Yeah. You're going to publicly but, say but that? I something I heard something from Stephen Furtick. He he has one of the exactly. biggest churches in America, right? Um, Elevation Church. And I love what he said, right? Because he was up there sharing his heart and doing something with his son, and somebody caught a picture of him and and check this out. This is how this is how messed up sometimes we are as human beings, right? As as as, as we judge people, he's out there like being a father, right? He's up there in the trenches. Like you said, most fathers, sometimes Scott, they leave, they bail, they're out the door. And he said, somebody made a comment because he was wearing like a, a, a flannel shirt and underneath he had a, he had a Guns N' Roses shirt, right? He had a GNR shirt. Yeah. And they're like, you're a pasture wearing a GNR shirt. And he's like, his comment that like he ignored it, but he, he came back and he said, really? Like all you could see was the fact that I was wearing a Guns N' Roses shirt as a pasture. You couldn't see the fact that I was there for my son. Think about how messed up that is, right? We 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 were easy and we're quick to judge and to point out the bad. Mm -hmm. And I think as believers too, right? We we do that, and it's like no, like when we judge people, all we're doing when we judge is all we're doing is seeing a reflection of what we're not happy with with ourselves. Thousand percent, right? Or it's 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 crap. And, and, and I'm going to get a little bit white where, where it's a little bit explicit today. And, hey, Jesus got mad. So if you want to judge me as a Christian, well, freaking judge me, right? But Bring I'm going to talk shit right now, right? Because it, it's time that we get real, right? There's no man. I think I was talking to Chris the other day, and it made, I made a light go off, and I use this in another podcast. It's like we need men to stand up and be men. We need that bravado, right? We need that the men to just really run their homes and, and be the leaders that they need to be because – Right now, there's no direction in our country because there's no real men stepping up. To be honest with you, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. What do you and think? Part is of, a part of being a man is it's okay to cry, right? I was crying this morning. It's okay to do that. And if your son can't see you cry, well, then who's going to role model that? Would you rather role model him playing a video game, shooting up 
other people on the video game and that's what he's gonna learn because that's what he was role that was what his role model or behavior right. so let me ask you a question thinking about that and thank you for sharing that daniel that's one of, one of the things i love about you is your transparency what what how did you learn that lesson for yourself i mean considering the, the upbringing that you had with your dad where was it that you learned your lesson to see see things from that perspective and not from an anger or resentful or any other negative emotion standpoint i think it's just a process i think it's really it's right it's it's I always talk about this. It's a journey of becoming, right? It's a journey of becoming and, and you never really know, but every day you're like that caterpillar. You start off like that caterpillar little by little by little. And then next thing you know, you're in that cocoon and that's where it, you really like started to be like metamorphosed into where you, you really going to become where you start to fly like that butterfly. So I don't think it's, it's just a one day overnight thing. I think it's, it's life's incidents that come, you know, I lost my mom when I was 10. I lost my dad when I was 26. I try to commit suicide and all these things you learn and you try to grow and become. But I think once you get on the other side of it, for me, it was finally when my, when, when, when I was hit with the brick on my head four years ago with my wife being diagnosed with breast cancer, it just really like said, okay, like I've lived both sides. I've lived wild. I lived fast. I've done this at the end of the day. What is it? And I think so many times we listen to what the world says as far as, Right. I, I, I want, <laughs> I, I want to talk about it because I want to be real. Right. So much time as men were taught and even women, our society, our culture says, I want to, I want to be that Grammy winner, 16 Grammys. And yes. And they see the accolades, they see the, the trophies, they see the guitar, 16 Grammys. Boom. Yeah. But shit, it cost you five marriages and broken homes along the way. And your kids are lost and on drugs because you were too busy fo focusing on the trophies of 16 Grammys. Oh yeah. And it cost you five divorces. So that's the lesson that you learned from that? Well, I, I, I think it's just, I'm trying to just show the fact that so much times we, as, as you realize for me, right? And for me, the five trophies were having the toys, having the Corvettes, having Ooh. the Harleys, and having all these, having the title, right? The title is what's important to men a lot of times. It almost cost me my wife and it cost me my family and just being blessed to where man, I'm one of the fortunate where my wife didn't die from breast cancer because it's, it's real. But I think really learning the gratitude, like Scott said, is a G word is, is being grateful. And, and sometimes you got to re-anchor yourself. You got to, cause right. We we're, 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 we're great when everything's going great and we forget about what God did for us four years ago. Right. I remember being mad at him. I was, I mean, I was, I was upset. I was like, like, dude, like how much longer is she going to have to be in these surgeries? How much longer is she going to have to have the, cause she had drains coming out of her. I mean, it, she couldn't even roll over. She was putting cream on her just to numb the pain. And, and I say this because it, 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 it sucked. It really did. I mean, we cried. I mean, I cried, I was mad, but it's those lessons that anchor you as a, as a man and, and not to forget where you're from. And even though you go through those, sometimes things get better and, and right. We kind of forget what was where we came from and not that you do it purposely, but it's like gaining weight. One day you wake up and all of a sudden, oh man, my pants don't fit me. You, one day you wake up and God reminds you, Hey, stay humble, man. So here's a question for you. I'm going to try to bring it from like a couple different like ways, but so everybody is going to define their manhood based on culture, religion, you know, where, where you're from, like there's different ways that we define it. At the end of the day, there's a lot of things that we could all shift in the way we perceive manhood. What can we tell a just any man right now who's listening to this? What can we tell them would be the first step to and, and again, I think it's got something to do with awareness. But you tell me what's the first step to get from a point of being the man in a mask and you're just getting the cars, trying to get the girls trying to say, look at how tough I am or how cool I am to getting to a space of vulnerability. And what does that look like? Cause obviously it's not just crying. Well, it's, it's easy, but, but the thing is you have to be honest with yourself as a man. See, we, we walk around as men when, and we walk around with a lot of shame, a lot of guilt and that shame and that guilt are on each shoulder, right? And we carry it every day. And instead of dealing with that shame and that guilt, that shame could be that, man, I, I got divorced. I let my wife go. 
I put right one of the I just I had we had an event in June and one of the speakers said one of the biggest regrets I had was man I I, I lost my wife for my practice and he was the first speaker that I really I felt his heart he was like this dude is real right because most people would say go get the accolades go get the trophies go get the awards but he goes and he looked and you could see that you could see his heart he goes I would do anything to get my first wife back and he was being real so you carry these regrets, you carry this shame, you carry this guilt. So what does it boil down to, Scott? It's forgiving yourself. You have to forgive yourself. And at that moment, and, and the thing is, it's it's not just a matter of forgiving yourself once. For me, I, I had to forgive myself four, four years ago. I remember I just got on my knees and I did. And then I remember like a year later, I was just in bed. Me and my wife were just there um, watching a movie and I just started crying. She's like, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know. Like, I'm just looking back at all the mistakes I made being a leader at work and how I could have treated people different out of the blue. Right. But I think it's a continuous, right. I think it's, it's, it's like, it's like soil. We have the top soil and that's one level of forgiveness of forgiving yourself. Then you go to that lower level of soil. Then there's a different level of forgiveness and it goes deeper and deeper. And you deal with that shame. You deal with that guilt. You deal with those regrets. And it all starts to see with the, with a clear perspective, Scott, to answer your question is you have to forgive yourself because that unforgiveness is going to give you that filter of being angry at everybody else because you're taking out your regrets, your shame, your shortcomings on somebody else. So I'm, I'm hearing you loud and clear, but one of the things I want to ask you is a few times you said the times that you got really vulnerable were with your wife. So you've effectively created a safe space with her. You've had the blessing that, you know, she had a, you know, a brush with fatality, you know, and you collectively, you know, we work through that together. What about the man who has not created that safe space or isn't sure how to create that safe space? Because one of the things that to me would be very hard is to show my first sense of vulnerability. I'm going back to, you know, childhood in Boston. You're, you're sitting here around other kids that everything is how tough are you? How good at sports you are? Who's the coolest? Who has the most drugs, whatever crap, you know, you're playing games with. How do I start to show vulnerability there? Do I, or do I need to find a safe space with outside of that space? Does that make sense? Yeah. Because, I mean, you know as well as I do, let's go to the, the, you know, areas of San Antonio or areas of like Southeast Austin that there's a lot of like, it's all about how tough am I in the space? How do I show vulnerability there ever? How do I make mm -hmm. that conversion? Well, I think, I, I mean, for me, this is my answer is you got to find God in your life. Because no matter what, without accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're never going to find fulfillment. You're never going to find happy because there's always we're, the way our DNA is designed is, is there's an empty spot in us that only God can fill. And until we fill that spot and, and really search them out. And, and like I said, it's a process, but I think as a man, right. I, I think for one, you have to put yourself in an environment to where the, you have to change your environment is what it boils down to. And what I mean by that is I grew up on the South side of San Antonio it wasn't the hardest side. It wasn't the best. It wasn't, but I moved my family to a different part of the city because not because I thought we were better, but because I wanted a, just a different view, a different vision for what we, was possible. And what I mean by that is, 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 is if you don't change what you're seeing every day, right? We're visual beings and that what you see every day affects who you are, who you become. And I think when you change your environment, you meet different people. And what, what do I mean by that? Like me and Chris just had this conversation that, right. We, we, we were vulnerable and we we're just talking as friends as men, but you have to, you have to make that decision to say, I want better out. There's something out there more for me. And it's hard to leave that environment. It goes back to the, everybody's heard the crap story with the buckets and we're so used to being in that bucket and you, you have to decide one day. And the thing is, this is most people are scared to make decisions because We've all made decisions and we've done horrible. We've all made horrible decisions, but we focus on our horrible decisions, the bad decisions instead of the good ones. And you have to decide that I can, I need to put myself in a new environment where I can meet a person or different caliber of people that can help me. Maybe for you, it's going and joining a men's group. Maybe it's, it's joining a church, but, or maybe it's just really putting yourself in the proximity where, 
where you don't have to have that illusion to have to be tough because I've been there, right? I used to, when I was in high school, I used to pack a gun all the time. You know, I mean, shit, I shot myself because it was one of those days where I was emotional. I tried to kill myself. I was 18 years old, a senior in high school. They didn't lack anything. I mean, I had a job. I had a cut list, right? Back in the day, you had a regal, you had a cut list. You, you, but it was the environment that I was in that was unhealthy. So I think you really need to make a conscious decision of how can I change my environment for the better? Who can I, who can I attract to? If you're looking, right, if you're looking out there for something, you're going to find it. And there's people out there like Scott. There's people out there like Christopher that you can talk to that want to help you. So I think you got to want it, first of all, Scott. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. And that leads me to a great question. When I think about your life, Daniel, and, and you're so well-spoken and you've been through so much. Talk to us about a time where you had to make the toughest decision that resulted in the greatest uh, benefit. So I know for me, like when I was, when I was homeless and in that motel and I made that decision, like I sat there and I looked around, I thought, okay, I'm either going to wind up in debt. I'm either going to wind up dead or I'm going to wind up in jail or I have to get out of here. And I made one of the toughest decisions of my life to get out of that situation and to break free. And I was scared shitless. I didn't know, have any idea what was going to happen, but I made that decision. Talk to us about a time in your life where you made one of those decisions, what you learned from it. Man, it was four years ago (laughs) when I decided to be a motivational speaker. It says, I had my, I had, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say this arrogantly, but I was on the top of the automotive industry, right? I didn't lack for nothing. I had the title. I could go anywhere in the city and get a job and make, you know, 150 to $200,000 a year easily. I mean, cause I, I have the track record. I've it's proven. But when, when, when God put it in my heart to become a motivational speaker, he, I started off not from nothing, but I started off with the experience that I bought from the automotive industry, but it cost me a lot of my friendships and my brotherhoods. And, and, and I say that because I love these guys. I, I love them. And it's like, but I didn't want to be drinking beer every night anymore. I didn't want to be on my bike on a right, biker night, Thursday night. I didn't want to be, that's not the, that's not, that life was not going to get me to become the speaker that God had me to be. And I cried. There was six months into my journey of being an entrepreneur that I literally, like I was lonely. It sucked. Like it really, really sucked. Cause I wanted a rubber band back to what I was familiar with. And many times when we got that tug to rubber band back to who we were, we run back to it because that's what we're familiar with. Commonality, right? Commonality will kill your dream any day. Commonality is the biggest dream killer. Familiarity will kill your dreams. And at that moment, as much as I missed my friends and because I love them, right? I mean, I still would. If they need something, I mean, I will be there for them every day. But I, I knew that, that that's not the life I had anymore. And I had to get out of that. And I even took a job, right? I, I I even took a job at a car dealership because God said, you know what? You're being so hard-headed. Go work there. I worked there half a day and it, I left. I hated it. But after I made a decision, I'm going to be the speaker. And everything kind of fell in place. It wasn't easy, but there was many days that I, I cried from frustration because I missed friends. You know, Danny Cano, Marn Vara, Steve Cortinas. Like, these are people that we would hang out with all the time. And I mean, they were my brothers, right? They were my friends, but they're my brothers. But you have to die. Your new life is going to cost you your old life. You have to die to your old life. And it's not easy. And let me tell you, in that frustration, and I'll be honest with you, there was times that I would take it out on my wife or my son or my daughter because I was just like, I missed them. I was lonely. Yeah, you got your family, but they're still like, I felt like I didn't have any friends because I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have Chris, Christopher Rouse yet. I didn't have Chris Salem yet. I didn't have these people in my life yet, right? Michael D. Butler. But when you're in that transition in the middle, that's where it's like, it's most people give up. They never taste the victory on the other side of the valley. Mm, don't taste the victory on the other side of the valley. As you were going through that pro- process, and I have to, I have to ask this question, you know, because Scott and I have been having a lot of conversations lately about identity. Like when I left my corporate position, I was shocked at how much of my identity was wrapped up in that position. Talk to us about that. Did you go through any identity crisis after leaving such a successful situation and having, you know, the egocentric results and the, and the stature and the, and the and all the accolades with that? Going and becoming an entrepreneur and becoming and following your passion and, and taking what happened to your wife and, and changing your vision. What type of identity crisis, or if any? did you go through in that process and talk to us oh, about I had how you got out of that crisis i was lost <laughs> right because we walk in the authority of who we were we walk in the authority of our old identity and we never leave that identity and for me i had been in the automotive industry for 20 years and i was very very successful that's how that was the foundation that i had built already to be able to make that shift 
because my intentions were to buy a dealership. My intentions were to own a Chevrolet point. I mean, I was saving up money. And, and as I made that transition, even today, I still get a message. Hey, we're looking for a car. Can you help me out? I'm like, I'm not in a car business. I've been in a car business for four or five years already, but it's, it's, you have to, you have to embrace your new identity, right? There's, there's, there's three steps that you got to take for any man or woman. It, if you're going to make that shift from, where you are to where God wants to take you, the, the shift of becoming, you have to receive your new identity. You have to receive it. I had to receive myself, first of all, just to be that speaker. And then you have to embrace it. You have to really embrace it. And what does embracing mean? Well, then you start to really start surrounding yourself with people. And it's not just a thought anymore. You embrace it because you surround yourself with the environment that you need to become that speaker, that trainer, that coach for me. And then you have to embody it. And what does embody it mean? That means you get your logo, right? You start to get your logo. You start to develop the, 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 the identity behind being that speaker. And getting my logo was one of the biggest things I did because it really helped me. It gave me an anchor to where, who I was. So you have to receive. That's the idea. Just maybe it's possible. Then you have to embrace well, then you start to say, okay, you surround yourself with the environment and you embody it and you're walking in that authority of that identity, who you are. And it wasn't an easy transition. And part of it is saying those affirmations, right? I am a highly sought motivational speaker. I am a highly sought after keynote speaker. I am a highly sought after trainer. And once you convince yourself and you start to believe that, guess what? You start attracting those opportunities even more. And if you want to change your life, this is one thing people don't remember is you've never been taught. Most people your brain stops working, right? It stops growing, not working, but it stops growing when you turn 26 years old. You are who you are. The only thing that's going to change you as a man is this, is trauma, which is somebody dies or you're diagnosed with a sickness or disease, or the next thing is going to be it's, it's hypnosis and then affirmations, right? Positive self-talk. And I can tell you on my wall, in my mirror, in my bathroom, I have like 40 affirmations that I tell myself every single day. I change them every six months because every six months, is a new season in my life. And if it wasn't for the power of affirmations or really meditating on those affirmations, my mindset would still be the same. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you for sharing that, brother. I just want to go to our uh, lovely audiences in the house. We got Princeton Clark in the house. What's up, Princeton? Good Ooh. to see you, brother. <laughs> I know you're down in San Diego enjoying the Coronado Beach. I saw that. So thank you for being here and, and, and sharing that. We got Glenda in the house. She says, uh, forgiving is a big deal too. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's see, who do we miss? We got Nelly in the house. We got Nelly from Austin, Texas, I believe. Nelly's up. She's knitting scarves for the homeless, doing amazing stuff. Robert's in the house. Uh, let's see. Princeton actually says here, he says, uh, great question, Scott. A lot of men are truly know to be how to be vulnerable. Most men don't realize that the vulnerability is true power. A lot of men, a lot of men are also so busy being strong that they lose themselves in the lie of being strong. Absolutely. Princeton. So, so true. And Pamela says also, she says, great points. Many churches have support groups that are religious, that are not religious based now too. It could be a place to start if you need a jumping point. Absolutely. Pamela, thank you for sharing that. Glenda also says, she says, you have to leave some people behind or uh, places or situations. Absolutely. I mean, that's why I wish my sister well back in 2005. I was like, hey, good luck. Have a great life. Uh, I'm not going to have you on this journey. Uh, so I wish you well. And sometimes you have to wish people well. We got Teresa in the house. What's up, Teresa from Georgia? Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm trying not to cough. Um, oh, we got we got Patricia. We got we got Patricia. Oh, she says, your new life is going to cost you your old life. Yes, Daniel Gomez. We got some people in the new house. Thank you for sharing your time with us. We appreciate you. And um, ooh, it's really tough to talk and not cough. I've been coughing all day. You're doing Anyways, great, bro. <laughs> I'm really, really trying. I'm really, really trying. You know something? Um, what you were just you were just talking about, it leads me, and I think about excuses, right? You know, I'm the no excuses coach and I think about excuses all the time. I'm just curious, Daniel, from your situation, what is your biggest excuse and what do you do to mitigate it? You know, my, you know, what my biggest problem was when I first came into this was money, even though, even though I had to say a, a nice little nest egg and I don't want to say, it, but it, it was, we had a savings account and that's what gave me the courage to really step out in faith and say, maybe I can do this. Right. I had a foundation to fall back on when my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. But even though that was there, my intentions were never to use it. And by the grace of God, I never have. But even though that was there. I started off saying I can't afford it. It's one thing when I had a a, a a million dollar budget and I could go buy, say I had to go buy 30 cards at the auction and the 30 cards, you figure every car was about $20,000. So right away we flipped a $600,000 bill to buy 30 cars for the used car lot. 
it was easy because it, it, I, I managed it. We were very profitable, but it's one thing when you, when you have a budget of 600 to a million dollars, right? But as soon as you spend $500 for yourself, oh, oh, it's a totally different mindset. And really for me to get out of that scarcity, that lack mindset that I didn't realize I had and that I had to see money from a different perspective that I had to see money as a tool. Money is something that can help me become a better person to help others to really just make a difference in the world. And it was an investment that I was making in myself. It wasn't a cost. So many times as entrepreneurs, we see it as a cost and no, it, it just, I, I started seeing like every money, everything that I spend, it's a return of investment. It's a return on investment for every dollar I spent, I'm going to make $10. And I just started telling myself that over and over. So I really had to re change my relationship with money because spending $500, it was a lot. It really, really was. I'd be lying to you if I told you that it wasn't, but now it's, you know, now our monthly overhead, I mean, we spend up anywhere between five to $10,000 a month easily on overhead. And it's just, it's just part of the gig now, which is it's, it gets easier, but of course, now I can spend a thousand dollars. It's nothing. Now I can spend 5,000. It's something, you know, to be honest with you, I'll spend 10,000, but it's, it's, I'll feel it. But it's like, I know that if I'm making the investment, we just invested several thousand in our stage for sticker shock speaking Academy. We bought some new lights. We bought a new stage and it's like, well, do I want to make a better stage for the speakers that are going to come to our Academy or do I want to be selfish and keep the money? And I think many, many entrepreneurs, they, they, they make money and they keep it or they spend it instead of reinvesting it in their business and you have to reinvest it because you got to put out a better quality product for your, for your consumer. So it's really my biggest struggle was getting out of that. Right. I, this is true story. I would get in front of the mirror. I would do, I call them, uh, I call them happy feet where I do the running man for like a minute straight. And then I stopped and I do another minute and can I would you show us, can you, can you give us a demonstration? <laughs> I, I, I would tell myself I can't afford anything I want. I can't afford anything. My heart desires. I can't afford anything I want. I can't afford anything I want. And I would tell myself that over and over again, I can't afford anything my heart desires. And the more I told myself that, the more I believed it. And it's just after months and months of doing it, I started to believe it. And it's like, it's, it's, it gets easier because if you never, if you can never release what's in your hand, how do you expect the universe and God to release what's in their hands? So one of the things, um, I want to I want to ask you because you were talking about really shifting from one identity to another. You said, and there was definitely a an, an inherent negative connotation to it. You said you felt lost. You know, Chris said, like, where were you? So I felt lost. That's a space that a lot of us don't like to be in. So you know, don't dif no different than being from one relationship jumping into another, one identity into the next. Even though that sounds valiant, that you know, you went from being in the car business to being a speaker. And no different than my story. You know, I was in corporate world and you're selling telecommunications to a speaker. What do we tell people about being in that space of being lost? Because here's the deal. We're literally just jumping from one identity to the next when our identity is already predetermined. Our brilliance was given to us by source. You know, you, you use the word God. Um, I use the word universe source. So source gave me my brilliance. I'm sharing it through any vehicle. So any identity I choose, whether it's through sales, through speaking to others, through coaching, whatever. My brilliance is coming up once I connect to the divine. So I guess my big question is, is it any different from jumping from one identity to the next? Or should I be more comfortable being lost, knowing that space of being lost isn't lost at all if I truly understand my brilliance? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, so yes, I have the answer for your question. And the answer is this, is, is that if you're built on a wrong foundation, you're not going to succeed. Many Agreed. people, they want to build a house. They want to build a frame. They want to build the roof of the house before they build a foundation. Who, what builder in the world is going to build the roof first and then the frame and then the foundation? It doesn't work that way. Well, if they're prefabbing and they're building it before <laughs> right. they build it, then they might. Okay, we could argue that. That's that's reasonable, but we're not building prefab houses. These are special one of a kind, yeah. here, Chris. Yeah, I know. I'm just being a dick. It's not going to have a I foundation. <laughs> I know you are. I know you are. But, 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 but their foundation is wrong. And, and I just had this call, this, this talk with one of my clients is so many times people want to be a speaker. And this is a story. And, and it's like, okay, great. We can help you be the speaker. And they're so eager to, to put the mic in their hand. And yes, we train you with that part. But if your foundation sucks, you're not going to be the speaker that you were born to be. And where's the foundation built? It's built when we're lost, right? It's building we're lost. You, that's you what I want. To, that's where I want to go with it. Yep. You what have are we to, doing while we're lost? You have to peel off all those labels that you've been told. 
you have to peel off all those labels that you're not good enough. You have to peel off all those labels that say that you're not this, you're not that, or the labels that say that you're too fat, you're too dark, you're too, all the labels that say that you can't, you got to peel them off and you have to, you have to, you have to, it's kind of like, it's kind of like making gold or steel, right? You have to heat it up to reform it, to reshape it. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to my wife. I mean, I saw it firsthand, right? Cause my wife, she had, she had an identity of low self-esteem because of me. Cause I was a very controlling husband, Hispanic, right? I, that's, I'm just being real with you. The machismo. And, and God had to break her down and build her back up. And now like, she tells me what to do. I'm like, cool. Right. Like I'm, I'm going, I'm okay with that, but it starts in the foundation, Scott. And many of us are lost because we have a broken foundation. And then we start to build something new on it. And guess what? It crumbles because the foundation is not, is not there. The identity is not there. And a good example of that is, is Britney Spears. We all remember we're all about the same age here. Britney Spears, all the prominence, all the success she had, she had it together. Wow. She's living at large, right? But guess what? She lost it. She crumbled under pressure. The foundation fell out from under her. She jumped into the salon and she shaved her off. Why? Because she didn't have the capacity. She didn't have the foundation to support the level of success that she had. She didn't have the foundation to support her identity. And that's that's what I want to do here, you know, because, you know, Chris and I always talk about take one thing and run with it that you get from the show is I want to encourage men, women, anybody, when you find yourself in that lost space, don't see it as a negative to embrace that as the most beautiful opportunity to create the story starting today. Because in that space, you can peel away all the old BS, build that foundation you're talking about. The problem is that's where fear sets in because you say, well, I can't live in a foundation. Well, you can build a house right now and live in it, but it's going to crumble without the proper foundation. So you got two choices. Do I want to write another shitty story or do I want to make the best story ever that can be 10 stories high because it's on a solid foundation? And so anybody listening to this right now, I want them to really think about when you feel lost, don't feel lost. The reason you're feeling that is that's the opportunity for you to build the best foundation ever and peel away all that BS. So whether it takes you know, a, a shock to your family with some kind of an illness, whether it's some trauma, whether it's loss of a job, whatever it is, that is the universe, God's creator's way of saying, we're going to give you a chance to rebuild your foundation when most of us freak out and try to jump into another shitty house. And that's not and, the way it needs to be. And the, and the, what happens is, is when you start doing this, right? Because, well, what's a good indicator that I'm on the wrong foundation? And maybe this will be true for some people, maybe not for everybody, but that's when fraudulent complex sets in. That's when imposter syndrome sets in. I remember coming from coming back. I had a, one of at, the, at that time. I had the biggest speaking speaking engagement of my life with me and Tom Bill. You shared the stage in California. It was Whoa. I was like, "Woo, yeah, rock and roll." Came back. I was on cloud nine, and then like two days later, I'm like, "Why do I feel this?" Way? I didn't know what it was. And then my friend goes, "Dude, like you're struggling from fraudulent complex." I'm like, "What the heck's fraudulent complex?" He goes, "Bro, imposter syndrome." And sure enough, man, I was, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I was beating up my recycling outside. I was mad. I was just, it was just there. And it, it's, you have to release that frustration. You have to release the identity of who you were. You have to just realize that you're not an imposter. You're not fraudulent. And many of us, we feel that imposter syndrome. We don't know what it is. We start arguing with our wife. We start arguing with our kids. We start arguing with our friends and we even break up friendships because of that. And we, we lose good people because we don't know what it is. We don't know how to deal with it. And many times when, when you get to that point of feeling like that imposter, you get mad and really you just don't know how to deal with it. You've never been taught to it. And that was me. I mean, literally, I would remember those little green recycle bins. I, I went outside and just kicked it. Like I was mad because I was like, what the heck's going on? And I, I lost two or three days in a row of work because I, it was things that you have to deal with. And you realize that, man, it's, it's not healthy. But it's kind of like a, I guess the best way I can describe it, and I don't know if this will speak to people or not, but it's kind of like being an, an alcoholic and, and detoxing or being uh, being on heroin and detoxing, right? It's, it's, I would say it's kind of the similar feeling because you don't know what's going on and you're shaking and you're mad. And, and once you get through that process, you're like, wow, it, it's healing your heart, healing your soul. And it goes back to what we talked about, forgiveness. And when you forgive yourself and you, and you say, you know what? I think this is the biggest thing, Scott and Chris, is to first is that you learn how to receive it, right? You learn how to receive that next level of your life. You learn how to receive that next level of blessing. And many of us, we don't know how to receive 
good because we've had so much negative and junk pour into us. Think about it. 75,000 of our 75,000 of our thoughts are negative, right? So all this wow. negativity is always coming. Who counted those? But it's like now that so much good's coming in, we don't know how to receive it. Yeah. So here's another thought too, because I love where you're going with the imposter syndrome. There's a lot of truth to that. Another gauge um, that I try to use, and I'm sure this will resonate with you, Daniel. So when you were in the car dealership and you got a big paycheck, even though you got it and it feels good, really quickly it goes to feeling hollow. You know, like, okay, this is it. Like, I got this. And when you get paid to do a speech where you know that you move the audience, this is the difference. One of the things you're doing based on ego, I need to make money. I need to do this. I need to have the cars. Everyone told me this is what makes me cool. The speech is something you created from that foundation. So whether you've got a penny or $10,000, of course, you need to make some more money so that you can build your empire and get the message out there. That's coming from the heart. So the minute you receive that, it feels good. And so my challenge to people would be when you're doing something, whatever it is, if you after you did it or received money or you did it, it doesn't still feel good, like real good, then it's ego based. And if it's something that's really right and in alignment and heart based, those are the things we need to be doing. And so be honest with yourself. If you go to work and make a ton of money, but you come home and need to drink or do something offset it, then you know you're not in alignment, period. I mean, there's, there's no argument to that. There's nobody who coming home saying, I need to get away from what I did who's in alignment. Yeah, so it's, it's, and, and you're right because I can tell you that many times when people make more money than they're used to, we, we, we right in the car business, we call it, you take your, you, you take your foot off the gas. If, if in, and a good example is, is you have a, you have a gentleman that comes in or a female, they come in into the car business and, you know, the average, their average household income here in San Antonio, would just say it's about $2,000 a month. And, and, and they make 4,500. They've never made that much money in their whole life. And then next, you know, in, in their mind, subconsciously, they're like, man, I already made money for three months. So they have a rocking month. They make four to 5,000. And then the next two months, they, they go downhill because their value system of who they are, they value themselves based on that $2,000 a month, which they're preconditioned to. So zone, they, they, it's hard for them to go into that next level. And many times when you go to that next level of success, it's like you have to, you have to believe that you, that, that you belong there. And how do you do that? Right. The, the more you stay in the automotive industry, the more people that are there make that type of income. You're like, well, you know what? I, I, I can make 5,000 a month in automotive. And then you, you, you feel like you belong. And most people, this is the thing I think Scott and Christopher is that most people don't be don't feel they belong, right? They don't belong with the elite. They don't belong with the next level, because that's where going back to what I talked about: regret, shame, and guilt, unworthiness, and undeservedness kicks in, and you don't think that you're deserving of it. So then you block your own blessings from coming into you, and that's where a lot of those cracks in those foundations are because you haven't dealt with those issues, and that's why you feel unworthy and undeserving. And like you're saying, you're like we're taught by the culture and I'm going to use the word culture because as the world teaches as well, if you're not a skinny blonde, you're not a beautiful woman. If you don't have, if you're not a man with a red Ferrari, you're not successful. That's the image we have of success. When in reality, there's nothing wrong with being blessed. Right. But that's not, that's not the ultimate. How can I say it? Like, that's not the end goal because you're still going to feel empty. You're still going to feel void. If that's that, if you think that things are going to buy you pleasure, it doesn't look at Robin Williams. He was a, the most successful comedian in the world. And he was so empty inside. Yeah. It's a great example. It's a great example. Actually, Victoria says right here, she goes, unworthiness is a disease plaguing the hearts of humanity. Thank you for being here, Victoria. I saw your message earlier. So good to have you. Victoria and I go way back, way, way back. So great to see you. Pamela also says here, she says, I could, wow, I can relate to that. I went through a phase of trying to figure out how my life could change so dramatically in a few years time. It was sort of surreal. It made me question a lot. And I definitely had a lot to, had, had, a, had a lot to learn to, had to learn to receive. One of the questions I have for you, Daniel, we've already actually been talking for an hour. So thank you so much for being here. Um, I want to shift gears for just a second. You were talking about kids and Scott and I have kids. One of the greatest lessons that I've been blessed with is, 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 is being able to be home with my son for the last year and a half with COVID and everything else. And I've learned a number of lessons from my five-year-old son. What lessons have you learned from your kids and, and, and what can you share with us to kind of close this out and where can people get a hold of you to continue the conversation? Well, I think I was asked that, right? Somebody asked me this on LinkedIn today. They will, 
do you have a problem learning from younger people? I'm like, no, I learn from my son every day. <laughs> my son is, uh, he's wiser beyond his years. And I think maybe it's because How old is he? 21. Oh, wow. He's, he's 21 years old. He challenged me when he was younger to, he wanted to travel the country with a marching band and we signed him up. We paid the money. He went out for all summer, three months and he grew so much. And then he came back, he went to Texas state. He's going to college. Um, went away. I've never, I never went away from school. So all these lessons that he's learning, he's coming back and he's an amazing leader. And I'm not just saying that cause he's my son, but I'll tell you what, he, he supports himself, right? He has, he has a brand new truck. He does a lot of stuff. And the first six months, maybe a year I supported him when he went out, but the last two and a half years, he's been supporting himself. So he's, it's, it's every father's dream, but like my wife said, I miss him because it's like, he doesn't call on us to ask us for money or ask us for this because he, he knows how to lead himself. So I'll say this under pressure, right? I'm real emotional. I'm like, you pissed me off. The old Daniel, right? Comes out, right? Well, fuck him, forget him, whatever. Like, right? And sometimes when I get in the heat of the moment, I used to be that way still a year and a half ago. And I'm just being real, right? I'm not oh, yeah. to be disrespectful to anybody, but he just says, dad, calm down, chill out. He's more temperament. So I've taught to not be so reactive because my son has taught me that under pressure and i've taught to 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 just tone it down and i've learned that from my son because he's role models that for me and then because he's done that i've been more temperament and then i'm able to lead him back so we kind of soundboard off each other and and just really i see that and then i see the compassion that he has right because i wanted him to be a football player it's like dude you don't want to be in band He's like, no, dad, I wanted to be in band. So I let him do. He goes, he's, he's the one that told me, right? He goes, dad, you're the one that told me that follow my dreams, follow my hearts. He challenged me on that. Cause I wanted him to go to school here in San Antonio at UTSA. And I missed him. He goes, dad, but you're the one that told me to follow my heart, to believe in myself. What could I say to that? He checked me. <laughs> he left. He went to school, uh, you know, between me and Scott and San Marcos, he lives in San Marcos. But in that, he's taught me to have compassion for, for people in a way. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, nothing bad against band kids, but generally the, the band students are going to be skinnier, not as, as athletic. And my son, he's just more athletic. He's, and he's a power lifter and not that he looks for, for trouble, but he stands up for those people that can't defend themselves. And not that he gets into violence, but he just says, Hey, why are you picking on him? Just leave him alone. Like he's not bothering you. So what, if you think he's a dork, leave him alone. Like he's, he, and, there's been many times that he's he's kind of been the guardian to say or the protector of of those smaller kids that can't protect themselves or don't are the voiceless ones. So it's just to have more compassion, I think, and really care more in a deeper level. Not that I didn't care. Right. But just seeing that what I've taught my son along the way that he's kind of reflected that because, you know, I've I've always loved God. I've always kind of been there. But there was just a point in my life where I had a lot of anger that I hadn't dealt with. And sometimes that anger would come up. And despite that, going back to what I said, when I went to go take check on my son this morning, I realized that he sees the good in me and he doesn't see the bad in me all the time because he's the only one out of, of course, my wife, I want to say, I don't want to say my wife didn't believe in me, but I think out of my entire family, if anybody believed that I was going to be a successful speaker and business owner, it was my son. Awesome. Awesome. Daniel Gomez inspires here on the unfiltered experience. Where can people get a hold of you to continue the conversation, my friend? Man, I'll tell you what, they can text the word confident, C O N F I D E N T, to 26786. That's the word confident to 26786. And you can go to Amazon and get my international bestseller, You Were Born to Fly. It's an amazing book on personal development, self leadership, really shifting your mindset, building that confidence and resilience in yourself. This can be bought on Amazon on paperback and hard copy. Definitely get your copy. And then you can definitely go to our website at danielgomezglobal.com and danielgomezspeaker.com. Send us a message, and I would love to give your audience a complimentary 45-minute discovery session. By the grace of God, I've been an award-winning business coach here in San Antonio, so I definitely can add some value to your life and to your business. And that's my gift to me, to your audience, for you, Scott, and for you, Christopher. So thank you for having me, man. It's been an amazing time. Forgive me for being a couple of minutes late. The, my I had to reboot my get out of my Facebook and log back in. Cause it was in the messenger, but I, I I'm here. <laughs> no worries. No worries, man. It's been a great conversation. They can also get a hold of you on Instagram as well at Daniel Gomez inspires, right? 
Yes, sir. Yeah, IG at Daniel Gomez Inspires. Then also on um, on LinkedIn, Daniel Gomez. Just look me up there. And then also on uh, Clubhouse, I'm on Daniel Gomez Inspires there also. So pretty much my taglines are Daniel Gomez Inspires. And I love people. If anybody needs prayer or help, you know, I'm I'm here to serve any way I can because I know what it's like to be without. I know what it's like when people make fun of you. And I know what it's like to be the underdog. And it's just showing people that I'm nobody special. I was just crazy enough to believe that maybe I could do it with God's help. And look at four years later, we've been profitable. Our business has doubled in 2020, grown tremendously in 2021. And I say that in all humility because I know who my source is. And because of that, he surrounded me with great people like Scott and you, Christopher, to bring me on your show and just to share a little bit about what God's done in my life. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. Amen, brother. Daniel Gomez, Daniel Gomez, guys, connect with him. I'm going to place you back in the green room for just a second. You know what that is. And Scott and I are going to round out the street show, and then we'll be back over to talk to you in just a second. Oh, Scott, what's going on, man? That was already 56 minutes. I mean, geez, we had some great comments coming from our wonderful uh, unfiltered crew. Uh, Pamela says, that's amazing as a testimony to what a good job you, you guys did as parents. Um, Glenda's here. Darlene says, thanks, guys. We got uh, Victoria's giving us hearts. Uh, people are saying, thank you, Daniel. Great message. Um, what are your final thoughts on the conversation, Mr. Goyet? There's one thing, uh, there's plenty of things he said I, I enjoyed listening to, but one of the things that um, he mentioned was the idea of, you know, he was on LinkedIn the other day and somebody said, do you, uh, you listen, do you learn from young people? And I always tell my students, and I've shared this with you, Chris, who's the stupidest person in the room? It's one of the first questions I ask you know, like I'm in a live classroom and they're looking around like, who's the stupidest person? Him! <laughs> yeah. And then they start looking at certain kids and I go, it's actually me by default because I've been building on my identity for so long. And there's so many mistruths because there's so many mistruths in this world. So because you guys are close to the source, in reality, I could have more to learn from you. So this is going to be a two-way exchange. When I teach this class, rather than stand up, I'm going to sit down because we're all on equal level. And I've got some information to share that the class will be focused on. But you're going to be a big part of this learning process. And so, you know, whether he realizes it or not, you know, one of the comments was, you know, this was a testament to parenting. I wish all parents would take that lead and realize the most successful thing you can do in a parent, being a parent is admitting that you don't know everything and learning from one another, because the whole thing of lineage and change and DNA is you want the next series of kids to be that much better. So if my daughter's better than me, I should be pumped. Same thing as a manager. I shouldn't be upset to have somebody who's way better than me. And so I take that. I think that might be the golden nugget in here is anybody that you're working with, don't try to hold them down to keep you know being better, whether it's a parent or manager or whatever. Do much the opposite. Watch them fly and be a part of that process. Yes, I couldn't agree more, man. I mean, it was a great show. Definitely a great show. I was... Um you know, for me thinking about it, I love the humility factor. Like, you know, just, just being aware and recognizing you're in a spot that is not conducive to your heart. Right. Obviously that incongruency is going on in his brain. Like he's sitting there thinking about this and the egotistical stuff and the machismo stuff and all the stuff that we go through and the strong and the strength and, you know, can't be broken down and all other stuff. And I have to prove myself and all the other stupid shit that we, we get the condition to believe yeah. when we're kids, but being able to have that wherewithal to be able to sit there and say, Hey, listen, I need to break into something. I need to rebuild my foundation. I need to get raw. I need to get, you know, in a way weak and, and vulnerable and bare to be able to rebuild back and be strong enough, you know, especially. So I compliment, I compliment. And, I, and to each and every one of you guys out here watching this or watching on the replay, Scott and I just really implore upon you again, like we said at the top of the show, there were massive nuggets, you know, dropped in this conversation. Like we just posted one of them up here on the screen. Take one, take one, ladies and gentlemen, Write down when the show's over, write down a couple of action items that you can take starting tomorrow. Like Daniel said, the affirmations are massive. The self language that we use, the language that we use on ourselves, and we just change that around. You put a rubber band around your, your wrist, unless you, some people don't like to self mutilate. I found out, um, you put, <laughs> I love you, Emily. Uh, but you know, put it, put it, put a rubber band around your wrist. And when you catch yourself saying shitty things to yourself, snap it and go and reframe it, you know, and sit there and say, you know what? I, I've sucked at math until now, but perhaps if I get a tutor, then I'll be better and reframe that stuff that you're saying to yourself. And I guarantee you guys will swim out of those situations a little bit more effectively and get yourself around the right people. That's what Daniel said. Of course, that was one of the big lessons is they used to hang around with his homies and do everything. I did the same thing. Scott, you did the same thing. It was again, another one of those tough decisions that we have to make to sit there and say, okay, listen, you, you do what you, you do you, 
you got your journey, you got your thing, you got, you do you, I'm going to go do me. If you need me, I'm going to be there, but I'm going to go swim around some other people because I don't want to be the smartest pearl, smartest fish in the pool. That was my little euphemism there. so yes, yes, yes. All right, brother. I guess that rounds out the, this we got, uh, oh yeah, we got his website. He put up here look at he's already, he's already backstage doing some ah. hustle. He's doing a little bit of hustle. He's like, Hey, hey, hey what's going on? Daniel Gomez inspires. There you go. Uh, here to serve here to serve. Uh, Glenda says great way to teach Scott. Absolutely agree. Scott, look at that Scott. And absolutely. Oh. I re, re, uh, re, what? I reparented myself. I'm having problems seeing it. it wasn't that you wrote the word wrong. Uh, I reparented myself while raising my kids. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. It's all about there and taking those, taking those actions, taking those initiatives. But one of the big things that I just want to leave each and every one of you with, and, and Scott, I like your thoughts on this uh, as we close out the show moments, guys, the beauty of life is in the moments. I am, I'm reminded of that so much more every single day and so much to, so to the, to the, to the thought that I had the other day really was this, the impermanence of everything the impermanence of everything and how wrapped up we get in thinking that everything is permanent. It's crazy. We love you guys. Be here next Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Unfiltered Experience. I think next week, it's just going to be Scott and I, and I think we have something special planned, don't we, Scott? It's going to be beautiful, Chris. Beautiful. Tell them about it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we love you guys. Go have an awesome Friday night. Thank you for your support, whether you're live or on the replay. Go be kick-ass. Go be unstoppable. Go be unfiltered. We love you guys.